I want you to take your sermon outline. I want to look at a passage of scripture as we continue this series on crosswords. I want to look at a, at a, at a scripture that really is staggering when you, when you think about it. It's from Luke chapter 23, beginning of verse 32. It's the story of when Jesus was crucified, how there were two others who were criminals that were crucified beside him. And here's, here's what the story says. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, with Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God, even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Read it with me. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. How many of you watched uh, the final four games last night? Any, any basketball fans in here? Yeah, a few, few, a few righteous people. Yes, yes. Um, it, it's really interesting, for those of you who don't really follow college basketball, this year has been particularly exciting because three of the four teams in the final four have never been there before. And so this is just uh, incredibly thrilling for them. Uh, last night, uh, there, the, in the first game, uh, San Diego State, uh, was playing Florida Atlantic, and um, Florida Atlantic was winning the entire game. In fact, uh, there were parts of that game, there were places where Florida Atlantic just kind of went off on a tear, and I really felt like there were going to be times, even though I was pulling for San Diego State, uh, it looked like they were just going to get blown out. And, uh, and yet, kind of, San Diego State just kind of hung around and hung around and hung around. And uh, finally, as the clock was winding down at the end of the game, uh, San Diego State was down by one point, and they had the ball down the floor, and they were kind of rushing around. And, and it looked like the guy who had the ball, um, that Butler, it looked, like, it looked like he didn't even realize how much time was on the clock because the time was almost gone. And then all of a sudden, he just took a step back, pulls up for a jumper, and fires it. And as the ball is in the air, the horn goes off to end the game, and the ball goes boom, right to the bottom of the net. And even though they were behind the entire game, San Diego State wins the game and advances now to the championship game, which will be tomorrow night. Now, when, if you watched that game, you saw San Diego State, of course, they're going crazy. They're jumping up and down, and they're jumping all over the guy who made the shot. But when you look at the faces of the players from Florida Atlantic, I mean, they're like stunned. I mean, they thought they had this game in the bag, and all of a sudden now it's gone. It's over. And, uh, you know, and, and if you step back from it, you, you know, you kind of go, but that's not fair. I mean, San Diego State was losing the whole game. I mean, how do you have the right to be losing the whole game and one shot changes everything? One shot changed everything. But that's basketball. 
It's also true for us. The story we just read was about a man who was behind the entire game. He was a criminal. He had lived a life far from God. And now his crimes have finally caught up with him. And he's being crucified next to Jesus. Now the one criminal makes fun of Jesus. You know, he mocks him. But, but this one guy, somehow in the midst of all that he was doing, he recognized that there was something special about Jesus. Whether he had heard Jesus teach or whether he had heard people talk about him or, or whether there was just a revelation of God that revealed to him that Jesus really was God in the flesh. Whatever it was in this last moment of life. This guy had like what? Moments to live. Even though he had lived a horrid life up till now, one little phrase, what did he say? Remember me. And one shot changed everything. Now, look at me. That's not fair. It's not. But we call it what? Grace. Say that word with me. Grace. Now, that's what I want to talk about today, because if the cross of Christ is about anything, it's about grace. It's about this crazy thing that we're able to receive that is so far beyond our imagination, something that we don't deserve, but God gives it to us. Ah. I want to talk about grace today. Are you ready? Let me, let me give you some thoughts that as I was camping on this passage this week that, uh, that just jumped out at me. Now, some of this, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, be open. Some of this stuff is stuff we've talked about already in this series. It kind of weaves, it weaves all together. But these are things about grace that I, you just can't miss, and you need to hear it. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. It's a grace that cannot be earned. It's a grace that cannot be earned. Think about this thought with me. How long did this guy have to live once he said, remember me? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. How, how much longer do you think this guy lived on that cross? A minute, a few minutes, an hour, a couple hours at the most? I mean, this guy's life was, was closing fast. How could he earn in just a few moments this incredible gift that he was being given for eternity? He couldn't. He couldn't. I, 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 read a, I read a story. This was so crazy. Some of you may have seen this in the news some years ago. Yeah, there was a guy in St. Louis, a 67-year-old man named Russell Herman. Uh, he died in 1994. And when they found his will, it was unbelievable. Um, Russell Herman, in his will, left more than $2 billion for the city of East St. Louis he left another billion and a half for the state of Illinois, another two and a half billion for the national forest system, and then he, 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 he willed that every member, every citizen in his county that had lived here more than two years would also be given a, a million dollars each. In addition to that, wasn't over yet, in, in addition to that, he willed $6 trillion to the Federal Reserve Board to pay off the national debt. He willed $6 trillion to the U.S. Treasury to get the country back on track. He also willed $189 trillion for the rehabilitation of states' rights. 
Now, the interesting thing about Russell Herman was all the assets he had in the world was a 1990 Oldsmobile. How many of you think it was worth that much money? No. He was trying to give away something that he couldn't afford. Look at me. And the same is true with us. We cannot earn the grace of God. Amen? We can't earn it. it. It's too expensive for us. And I need to say this to you because so often when, when we think about what we've done and the great forgiveness of God, we, in our human mind, we begin to think of somehow, I, I got to pay this back. Look at me. And you can't. Not if you had all the money in the world. Not if you had a thousand lifetimes to live. You could never give back to God the eternal life he's offering you for free. You can't do it. And I want to set you free because some of us, man, we, we hear the enemy in our head. You've got you've to do more. You've got to be more. You gotta, and we, we make ourselves crazy trying to live up to this voice. And, and he's lying to you. You see, the bad news is you can never earn it. The good news is you don't have to. Amen? <clears throat> I love the passage of Scripture there on your outline from Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Read it with me. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Will somebody say amen, please? You bet. Thank you, God. It's a grace that cannot be earned. Now, that jumps me right to the second thought, and here it is. It's a grace that's free to us, but it's costly to God. It's a grace that's free to us, but it's costly to God. <laughs> How many of you are, you are like me when, whenever you get an email or a piece of snail mail and it is a big advertisement that says, you know, this is free, you know, it's a free vacation to Hawaii or it's a, it's a free car. How many of you go, oop, that's a scam. Yep, that's a scam. Because why? We, well, wait, you don't get something for nothing. It, does, it doesn't happen. And that's absolutely true. There's always a hook that they want something from you, but here's the deal. This grace that we talk about, it is free to you. It just cost God everything. Amen? It cost him everything. I love the passage of Scripture, 1 Peter 1. He says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Read it with me. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. Some of you have seen this little acronym. This is just a great way to think about grace. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. Now, this is just a really important point. Because in our, in our human ears, when we hear the word free, we tend to think cheap. And trust me, there was nothing cheap about grace. It cost our Lord everything. Amen? Some of you will find this really hard to believe. Um, but every once in a while, I tend to drive over the speed limit. 
How many of you want to confess that as well? You just, yeah, I, I do. I, I blame in my knee. I got my knee replaced now. That titanium seal, you know, it's a little heavier now. It, it's funny, a, a few years back, um, I, was, uh, I was driving and I was going over the speed limit and Wanda's kind of my two-legged conscience that follows me everywhere. And uh, she, she looks over and says, you know, you're, you're driving pretty fast. And, and I'm like, yeah, uh, maybe a little bit. You know what? Babe, I, haven't, I haven't had a ticket since 1996. I mean, how many in the room can say that? I haven't had a ticket since 1996, man. You know, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm trying to do Don't you know, two days later, kid you not, two days later after this conversation where I'm reminding her of my clean driving record, I'm coming home from the Y and I turn off of May onto 149th and I'm zipping across to PA and I go over this hill and as soon as I start down this here, I look down and here's a, a police car sitting down at the bottom, you know, with pointed up, you know, scanning people. And I look down immediately, look down at my speedometer and I'm going, I'm going like 57, 58 and I'm going, well, it's a 50 mile an hour speed limit so I should be okay. And uh, sure enough, man, I go past the guy, lights come on, he gets behind me, and I'm going, man. And I could just hear my wife behind me going, nah, 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 nah. You know, just, I could just hear it. It made me so mad. And uh, I, so I, I pull over, and, and the policeman comes up, and he's really nice, and he says, you know why I pulled you over? And I said, well, I know I was going over the speed limit, but I didn't think I was going that much over. He says, well, do you know what the speed limit is here? And I said, yeah, it's 50. He said, no, it's 45. And he said, everybody thinks it's 50, but this stretch is actually 45. And he goes, there have been neighbors complaining about how fast people drive through here. So we've been asked to come out and kind of slow people down. So unfortunately, Mr. Charles, I'm going to have to write you a citation. And I'm just, I'm going, please, you, you know what the penalty is going to be for this. Not the money, but I mean, the, you know the penalty that I'm going to have to face at home, you know. And, I, and, I, and so he, he writes me a ticket and he says, you know, here's your ticket. He said, if you want to fight this in court, you know, it's like a month out. You can show up there and try to protest it. Or you can go online and, and you know, and pay your fine. So I get home and I tell Wanda and, and, and you know, and she was very, very, very kind about it. Like, <laughs> you know, kind of. But she was very kind about it. And, I, and I, so I, I, about a few days later, I go online to pay my ticket and I couldn't find it. And I thought, well, maybe it's not there yet. So I waited for the week. And after a week, I went online. Still couldn't find it. Now I'm thinking, okay, I've only got a couple more weeks before I'm going to have to show up in court. So I'm starting to get a little nervous. So I thought, I'll, I'll wait a few more days. So I waited about three or four more days, went, went online again. It still wasn't there. And so I called. I called down to the police station. I said, hey, you know, I got pulled over. I got a citation. I wanted to pay the fine, but I can't find it on, online. And uh, the gal pulls up my information. She goes, well, it's not there yet. She goes, you know, sometimes the officers get a little behind and they don't turn them in prudently. So I'm sure it'll be in any day. Probably, probably by the end of this week, it'll all come in. I said, okay. And so I waited, waited another week, went back online. It still wasn't there. Now I'm like a week away before I have to go to court. And I'm going, you know, now I'm getting nervous because I'm just picturing the headlines. You know, they're going to they're gonna put out a warrant for my arrest. You know, I'm going to be pulled over. You guys are going to be reading the paper, you know, Chartel pastor pulled over, you know, warrant, blah, 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 you know, just read all this stuff. So I, I, I call a friend of mine in the Oklahoma City Police Department and uh, I said, hey, Dan, I said, I need a favor. I said, I got a ticket. He goes, nope, not taking care of it. And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not, not asking you to take care of it. I said, I need you to check on something. I said, they can't find my ticket. And I said, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get pulled over and have a warrant for my arrest. And he goes, well, let me, let me see what I can find out. So he calls me, two days later, he calls me and he said, 
dude, you're not going to believe. And I said, what? He goes, your ticket is nowhere to be found. I said, what? He said, I, I checked the records. It's not there. He said, I, I got, I, you, you gave me the name of the officer. I went to him personally and talked to him. And he said, he remembered writing the ticket. It was the only ticket he wrote that day, of course, you know. And he said, he, he thought he remembered turning it in. He said, but he doesn't have it. They don't have it. It's gone. And I said, so what do I do? He said, nothing. It's as if it never happened. I can't tell you how fast I drove home that day. <laughs> now, here's a question. Was that grace? Was that God saying, Steve, I know how your wife picks on you and I know I can't allow this. <laughs> Was that grace? No. That was a careless police officer or it was a cluttered system. Somewhere something got lost. It was fortuitous. It wasn't grace. Well, how would it have been grace? It would have been grace if I would have went to my court appearance and if I would have pleaded guilty for the fine, that, the crime that I had committed. It would have been grace if I would have stood before the judge and said, I'm guilty of what you're, you're telling me. And the judge says, yes, you are guilty by all witnesses. And the judge says, and you're fine because you drove in this neighborhood where people are complaining, your fine is half a million dollars. And I would have said, but I don't have half a million dollars. And the judge would have said, neither do I, but here's what I'll do. I, I will sell my house and everything that I have. I'll drain my bank account and I will pay your fine for you. That would have been grace. Look at me. And that's what God did for us. Please don't miss this. Look at me. God doesn't pretend as if we've never sinned. He doesn't pretend as if we haven't turned our backs on him and walked our own way. He doesn't just go, oh, well, that's okay. I, I, it wasn't that big of a deal anyway. God doesn't wink at our sin. He paid the price for us. Amen? This grace is free to us, but it was costly to God. Can I get an amen? amen? You bet. It's grace despite the magnitude of our sin. It's grace despite the magnitude of our sin. You know, when I was, I was reading some commentaries about the thieves and why they might have been on the cross and different things, and it was really interesting because commentators were talking about the fact that they didn't crucify people unless they had really committed a, a horrible crime. Uh, there was something that had to have happened there. And for most of these guys, it was either they had committed murder or that they were trying to create uh, insurrection and, and, and a revolution kind of thing. And so these guys were there on the cross for, for pretty heavy crimes. And it reminded me, you know, again, here's a guy who, who's not just committed sin or committed crime. He, he committed a really big crime, and yet God's grace in that moment was still great enough to cover him. And you know what? It's great enough to cover you. It's great enough to cover you. Max Licato in his book, God Came Near, tells us a really wonderful story. Um, it's a sad story, but it was just really a great picture of God's grace. He was talking about back in, um, 
back in the 70s when uh, Wycliffe translators were flying in the jungles, they had a, a, an aviation department called the Jungle Aviation and Radio Service. And for 25 years, they had flown in and out of the jungle uh, without uh, any fatalities of, of accidents. But on, um, on April 7th, 1972, there was a Piper Aztec plane that lost its right engine and it crashed into the, uh, uh, in Papua New Guinea. And it killed all seven people uh, on board. Now, what was, um, what was wild about that was they determined that it had to be a, something wrong with the plane but the plane, just the day before, had come out of the hangar after a hundred-hour, several-day inspection and maintenance. And the chief mechanic was just, uh, he was just stunned when he read about the crash. And he started reviewing um, in his mind, step-by-step, step, everything that they did to that plane. And then as he was thinking about all that, all of a sudden, to his horror, he realized that he was, they had put a new fuel line on and he was tightening the fuel line and he got interrupted. And he had to step away to take care of a situation and he forgot to come back and finish tightening that fuel line. And so what had happened was that that fuel line had come loose, had sprayed gasoline onto that engine and that engine had caught fire and the plane went down. And now this chief mechanic all of a sudden realizes seven people died because of me. He was overwhelmed with grief. Um, the family of the pilot um, who had been in for all of the, the investigation and all were just about to go back to New Zealand. And this chief mechanic asked if he could meet with the family. And said that when he sat down with the family, he was literally shaking um, in regret and remorse. And he stood, before, he stood before the wife of this pilot. And he held his hand up. And he said, this, this is the hand that took the life of your husband. And Max said that in forgiveness and grace, the wife of this dead pilot reached up with both of her hands and put his hands in her, letting this chief mechanic know all is well. Look at me. That's grace. You see, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how big your sins may be. It doesn't matter how long you have committed him. Don't forget this. When we stretch our hand of repentance up to God, he clasped it with both nail-scarred hands of his. His grace is greater than all of our sin. Amen? Bet. You bet. I love, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy, he said, you know, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me since that Christ, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his grace, patience, you know what, with even the worst 
sinners. I love Eugene Peterson's translation, the message. I love what he says in Romans 5.20. Read this out loud with me. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Look at me. You got to get this because there are a lot of us. The enemy's been telling us you're been you've been gone too long. What you've done is too bad. You can never be forgiven. And God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Amen. Let me give you another thought. It's a grace that gives us access to God. <laughs> it's a grace that gives us access to God. When I was thinking about the thief on the cross and thinking about how quick it was from the time that he said, remember me, to the time that he passed into eternity, can you even begin to imagine what it was like for him to, to, to suddenly be in the presence of God? And to know that, that peaceful presence, to, to know that, that, that presence of God himself right there with him. Can, can you imagine the change that happened in his life in, in the blink of an eye, in, in just a moment in time? And I, as I was thinking about that, what that would be like, I kept going back and thinking, if I was the thief on the cross when I got before God, here would be my thought. Why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? Come on. Those of you who have been down the road of life a little bit and came to Christ down a little bit longer down the way, how many of you, once you received that grace, look back, and now you're walking with God. You get his presence every day. You have access to his power every day. You have access to that grace every day. How many of you have had that thought, why did I wait so long? Why did I wait so long? Why? Because grace gives us access to God. I love Romans 5.11, Paul says, so we now can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Christ Jesus has made us what? Friends with God. Circle that word, friends with God. Hebrews 4.16, the writer says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and find grace to help us when we need it the most. Again, so often when we've reached these places in our life and we need the help of God and we start thinking about turning to God and reaching out to God in prayer and going to him, all of a sudden we start hearing these tapes. You don't deserve to go in God's presence. After all you've done, what makes you think you have a right to do that? But you do. Grace ushers you in to his presence. Like a child running into the living room and jumping up into the lap of their father. That's how God gives us access to him. Let me give you one more. And listen very carefully to this. It's grace that is offered, but it must be received. It's grace that is offered but it must be received. John 1, when John was writing about Christ coming to this world, it says, and he came to his own people and even they rejected him. Read it with me, church. 
But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Those who believed him and accepted him, they're the ones who got that right. There were two thieves on a cross that day. There was one thief that mocked Jesus, denied who he was, didn't want anything to do. There was another one who even though it was the last moments of his life, reached out to Jesus and Christ in his grace received him. God offers it, but it's up to us to receive it. Great story. December 6th, 1829, there were two guys, one named George Wilson, another named James Porter, who robbed a U.S. mail carrier in Pennsylvania. Both men were captured, and they were tried. On May 1st, 1830, both these men were found guilty uh, of six indictments, which included robbery of the mail and putting the life of a driver in jeopardy. On May 27th, both George Wilson and James Porter received their sentences, death by hanging. The sentences were, be, were to be carried out on July 2nd, 1830. James Porter was executed on schedule. But George Wilson had some friends in high places. And those friends pleaded with President Andrew Jackson on his behalf and asked that he be pardoned. That the death sentence would be completely dropped. And Andrew Jackson, in response to that request, did exactly that. (coughs) He issued a formal pardon. The resulting charges um, were the death penalty was dropped, and Wilson would only have to serve a prison sentence of 20 years for his other crimes. Unbelievably, George Wilson refused the pardon. He said, I want to die. Well, they didn't know what to do with that. So they took him to court to say that he had to accept this pardon that the president was giving to him. And George Wilson didn't want it. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Finally, Chief Justice John Marshall wrote this in his decision, in their decision for George Wilson. A pardon is an act of grace proceeding from the power entrusted with the execution of the laws which exempts the individual on whom it is bestowed from the punishment the law inflicts for the crime that he has committed. A pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential and delivery is not completed without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person to whom it is tendered And if it be rejected, we have discovered no power in a court to force it upon him. It may be supposed that no no being condemned to death would reject such a pardon, but the rule must be the same in capital cases and misdemeanors. In other words, George Wilson committed a crime. He was tried and found guilty. He was sentenced to be executed. A presidential decree granted him a full pardon but George Wilson chose rather than chose to refuse that pardon 
And the courts concluded the pardon could not be forced upon him. Now look at me and don't miss this. God offers you grace. You can take the same last second shot that the thief took on the cross by crying out to the Lord and say, Lord, in humility and repentance, remember me. God's grace is open to all, but it must be received to be complete. Amen. I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes. In just a moment, Rachel's going to lead us in a song as we wrap things up today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to take a moment of reflection. I know that most of you have heard about the grace of God. My question today is, have you received it? Have you opened your heart to the grace that God offers you? Have you confessed your guilt before him in humility and repentance and accepted the fact that he is willing to forgive you of your past and walk with you in your future? If you have, then then maybe this morning is just an opportunity for you to say thank you to God. An opportunity for you to say, Lord, I... I'm getting something so good that I don't deserve, and I thank you with the bottom of my heart. But if you've never received that grace, if you've never opened your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never made him your Savior, today is your day. Don't wait one moment longer. God has offered you a full pardon. All you have to do is believe and receive. And this morning, in your own simple way, your own simple prayer, just make your heart be known to God. And he will extend that grace to you. All the thief on the cross said was, Lord, remember me. And Jesus knew exactly what he meant. And God knows your heart as well. I want this to be your own personal time of worship as Rachel leads us in the song, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. And after we sing this, I'm gonna pray and just ask God to meet us here. Make this your moment where you cry out and reach out for the great grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you today and we have to confess grace is a really hard concept for us to grasp sometimes. It's so unfair It's so absurd to to think that you would offer a thief on a cross in his last moments of life a, a pardon, even though he had lived his life completely away from you up to then. In just a few seconds, you wiped away his past. You ushered him into eternity. It doesn't make any sense in the human mind, but that's why they call it grace. It's not something we can earn. It's not something we deserve. But it is something that you offer out of your great love for us. Father, my prayer today is that for anyone who may be watching online, anyone who may be here in this room today, that has never opened their heart 
to the fullness of your grace. Never, never received you as Savior and Lord. Never let you forgive their past and usher them to a new future. Lord, my prayer is that today is their day. As they reach out to you, Lord, with simple words and phrases, as they make their heart known to you, as they in their own way say, Lord, remember me. Would you wrap your arms of grace around them? And would you let them know you've waited so long for this moment in time? Father, we pray that as we walk through this holy week, that we, we will remember that this grace that we have received cost you everything. And may this week we spend just a few moments reflecting on that and allowing our hearts to be overwhelmed with gratitude. We know we can never pay you back, but may we spend at least a few moments being grateful for all that you have done for us. And it's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, before I, I turn it over to Rachel, let me just say again, thank you for being here. But if, um, if there's anything, for some of you who maybe today opened your heart for the first time to the great grace of God, or any of you watching online who did the same thing, I, we would love to be able to talk with you and encourage you on your journey of faith. And uh, so please, I'll be out in the lobby. You can, you can see me out there. You can call me during the week. You can email me, whatever you want to do. And I, I would love to be able to just to pray for you and maybe give you just some, some guidance for next steps in the next part of your journey. And uh, just appreciate you guys so much. Love you. Hey, be here Wednesday night. We're going to party hard as we baptize about 18 people this Wednesday night. You're not going to want to miss that. God bless you. Rachel.